This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of Eco Chic is brought to you by Aspiration, the environmentally friendly debit card. We've all started to reckon with the fact that if our money is sitting in a bank, it's probably being invested in fossil fuel projects. If you've been waiting for a sign to break up with your big bank, this is it. You can sign up with aspiration.com eco and get up to $200 towards your new debit card account aspiration.com slash eco always in the show notes and never investing your money in fossil fuel projects everything you do is making an impact in this world this is not an elitist issue this is a quality of life issue how dare you and i feel like it's my responsibility as a human being so what the world is at stake you're listening to Eco Chic, a podcast about climate, sustainability, and eco-conscious lifestyles. What, like it's hard? Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. I hope you're doing well. My name is Laura Diaz and welcome to Book Club, my new favorite kind of episode. Book Club is a lot of fun because it is a bonus episode each month where we read a book with a friend from the community. This month, we read Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey with Jessica Clifton of Impact for Good, a sustainability platform on Instagram and TikTok. I'm really excited about Book Club because they're not quite book reviews, but rather book discussions, just like a real life book club would be, I imagine. And this month, we read our very first fiction pick for Eco Chic Book Club. I was really excited to read Migrations because it has been a highly recommended book across the board, not just for being a climate fiction book or kind of an environmental type novel, but just in general, it was one of the best fiction books of 2020. I've been seeing big displays for it in bookshops, and it just seems like everyone's read it but me. So I was really, really looking forward to this. And when I shared this as last month's book club pick, I got a lot of really, really great feedback on social that y'all really enjoyed it or were looking forward to reading it. And I've already gotten some messages that you really liked the book. So I'm excited to share this conversation with you because Jessica and I really got into it. We geeked out. We had so much fun going back and forth, unpacking this book, unpacking the novel for the symbols and the themes and all of these literary terms I haven't used since I was in English class in high school. That being said, there are spoilers in this episode because we are really unpacking everything. We're unpacking the ending. We're unpacking all the characters. We are trying to figure out why settings and events and scenes are set up the way that they are. And we have a lot of fun, like I said. So a little bit of background. If you haven't read the book, but you're still tuning in to Book Club, Migrations, I'm going to read you the book description from Goodreads. Franny Stone has always been the kind of woman who is able to love but unable to stay. Leaving behind everything but her research gear, she arrives in Greenland with a single purpose, to follow the last Arctic turns in the world on what might be their final migration to Antarctica. Franny talks her way onto a fishing boat, and she and the crew set sail, traveling ever further from shore and safety. But as Franny's history begins to unspool, a passionate love affair, an absent family, and a devastating crime, it becomes clear that she is chasing more than just birds. It was absolutely fabulous. That description alone got me hooked, and that's what got me to add that to my want-to-read list. 
And I'm so, 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 so thankful to Jessica for reading it alongside me and being able to unpack it the way that we did because I've come to have a whole new appreciation for book club. Like I said, we've done a few of these episodes in the past and I always really enjoy them. But having someone to discuss a novel is very different than unpacking a nonfiction book. So last month we read the Bill Gates book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster with my friend Zara Biabani of the account Soulful Seeds. That was a really great episode because we enjoyed the book for what it stood for, but we were also able to really heavily discuss our feelings and educational pursuits around climate solutions. So that's a very different take from what we did today with Jessica. Both a lot of fun, both very valid book club episodes that I think you'll enjoy whether or not you read the books. It's always nice to have you along and figure out what you want to read, what you want to hear about next, what you want us to review next, quote unquote. Like I said, not truly reviews, more discussions, but these book club episodes are a lot of fun. And if this is your first time tuning in or if you've never tuned in to these book club episodes before, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I always say. It is never too late to join book club. You can always listen along whether or not you've read the book. You can always pick up a book that we have read in the past and tune in to a previously aired episode, or you can pick up the book and read alongside me every single month. This upcoming month, we're going to be reading The Conscious Closet by Elizabeth Klein with my friend Moji Egun. She is a zero waste expert, and The Conscious Closet is kind of a cult favorite book in the sustainable fashion space. So I'm excited to finally read it, and I hope that we all get something valuable out of that experience as well. Again, whether or not you've read the book, but you totally, totally should. Also, quick plug, my last episode of Eco Chic is all about the Arctic. Why is the Arctic melting so fast compared to the rest of the world? And I really unpack the albedo effect. I unpacked more of the climate aspects of our melting oceans, sea level rise, the Arctic versus Antarctica. If you've ever had any questions about where those really sad dying polar bear photos are, I unpack all of that in last week's episode. It's only about 15 minutes, I believe, definitely between 15 and 20 So I will link that in the show notes, but it's also right behind this episode wherever you are listening to the show. So definitely recommend so you can set the scene a little bit for yourself and better understand our warming oceans and uh, unfortunately the demise of the North Pole. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into today's episode. Thank you so much, like I said, for tuning in. I think you would really enjoy the book if you haven't so far. If you've read the book, I want to know your thoughts. I want to know if you picked up the same things that we did. Is there something that really resonated with you in the story that we did not uncover today? And I want to know your thoughts on the themes and the symbols and the conclusion. And oh my God, the ending was so, so good. Could not recommend this book more. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think that you'll really enjoy it too. So with that, let's get into it. Jessica Clifton joins us to read Migrations by Charlotte McConney. Jess, welcome to the show. Welcome to Eco Chic. I am really excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. I love your book club. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. I'm excited to do book club with you. And I'm excited to be reading a fiction book for the first time, or I'm excited that we read a fiction book for the first time. But before we even get into migrations, I want to hear about you. Tell me a little bit about your career, your niche on the internet, how you got there, everything of the sort. Okay, great. So for those who don't know me, my name is Jessica. I run a platform called Impact for Good on Instagram and TikTok. Um, Growing up, I was always obsessed with the environment. I went to this thing called Sea Camp every summer because my uncle's a marine biologist. So Went every year, learned about like sharks and whales and stuff of that nature. Learned a lot about pollution as like an eight-year-old. So I was really passionate about pollution, like from a young age. But I think I just always had this thought that if I loved the planet, then I was also taking care of it. Throughout my life, I was traveling a lot and going outside a lot. And I, you know, just thought I was doing my part in that way because I just was really passionate about loving the planet. And then when I got to college, I originally wanted to do marine biology, but I realized quickly that biology is not my thing. And so just kind of blindly, I chose marketing for no other reason than marketing works really well on me. So I was like, sure, I'll figure out why marketing works the way it does. Um, Ended up falling in love with it. I thought it was just the most interesting thing I had ever learned. And in one of my marketing classes, I had to watch Story of Stuff by Annie Leonard. And if no one's seen it, it is in the why highlight of my Instagram. It's like a 20 minute short. 
of consumption and what it does to the planet. And I was just petrified because it was the first time I realized that my own actions are having an impact on the planet. And I was watching this short in my class called uh, Consumer Behavior. So it was just us talking about how marketers are researching consumers and figuring out the, you know, the daunting question, which is what does the consumer want? And so in this class and after watching that short, I realized, okay, I care about the planet and my decisions are actually impacting the planet, but also marketers are researching my every move. So if I, as a consumer show that I want a better planet, then companies have no choice but to give more sustainable products. So while I was in marketing, I just decided, okay, I'm gonna start this Instagram page. And if one person makes a, a decision to live more sustainably, then I succeeded. So I started my senior year, I was in a social media marketing class, I had a social media marketing job and everything I was learning from those, I just integrated into my page. And then in six months, I had 30,000 followers and I graduated and made it my full-time job. It was so wow. strange how quickly it all happened. Yeah, yeah, really quickly. That's a lot of people in a very short amount of time. And I was saying earlier, you answered some Q&As last week about your career and about what it means to really establish yourself online, especially in the sustainability community. You were so strategic. You knew about social media. You were in a marketing class. You had a marketing job. Like You knew how to establish yourself. If there is someone out there that's like, I'm going to be the next Jessica Clifton, how would you say, start your account with these like three things in mind? What I think of when I think of starting your account is first off, just be a lifelong learner. If you're not learning, then you are getting behind. Um, fall in love with learning and learn how to have an Instagram page, learn about marketing and then learn about the niche you're trying to be in. Like if you are in sustainability don't just talk about how you like sustainability learn about it so you can teach others about it um so i'd say learn figure out what you have to offer to other people because you need to um, add value to them and then just get on the internet and start posting because a lot of people are waiting for the perfect time but in my opinion it's always the perfect time when i started my instagram was 2019 and everyone said that you couldn't become an influencer anymore because it was too saturated and I became an influencer, I mean, within a year. So I think the biggest thing is just make sure you get on the internet and start. Because if you're waiting for the perfect time, you'll never start. Right. Wow. Love that. Well, thank you. Crash course in uh, sustainability influencing. Yes. And then I think TikTok is also like such an interesting platform for a lot of people because you can grow so quickly and go viral so quickly. And there's mm -hmm. also this sense of, we were saying earlier, the, the ability to capture someone's attention for any extended period of time is a really hard thing to do. Absolutely. And it's so about personality and like you were saying, value and showing up for people where they want you. And that's like a whole new uh, ballgame of, you know, of influencing for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. TikTok is a whole nother game. Yikes. Well fascinating. I love that you also mentioned earlier, you want to be a lifelong learner because you're a reader. I love that you're a reader. Thank you so much again for reading this book with me. I was saying like, this is like a homework assignment, having to read a book for a podcast episode. I'm telling you that getting to read for like quote unquote work was the best thing ever. Like on a Tuesday, I was like, I'm just going to go to a coffee shop and read for four hours because I have to, <laughs> I have to read this book. <laughs> I was so excited. Love it. Well, do you typically read fiction books or you typically read nonfiction or what's your schedule like? So I started reading maybe three years ago and I started solely with nonfiction, only reading nonfiction. And then I saw some article about how fiction makes you more empathetic. It makes you more creative. It makes you less stressed out because you're like, you know, transporting to another place because you're reading about someone else's life. And from someone who like has anxiety, I was like, that sounds really great. So I started yeah. reading fiction. Um, I started kind of half and half like fiction, like 50, 50 fiction and uh, nonfiction. But now I love fiction so much that it's probably 75% fiction, 25% nonfiction. Love that. Love that. Yeah. I was telling you earlier that I'm usually a nonfiction person and I have guilt when I read a fiction book, like I'm not being productive, but I'm loving it. I am 
a beach reader now. I am just yes. enjoying fiction books. And my biggest thing too is like now I'm spending all this money on books because I feel like it doesn't count. I'm like, oh, well, like it's, you know, I'm enjoying myself. It's it's a book. I have to support my local bookstores or bookshop.org or whatever it is. And yeah, I pretend that it's like not money that I'm actually spending because it's on Yeah, a book. no one warns you that being a reader is kind of expensive. Like, cause I'm the same way. I'm like, this isn't costing me any money. And then I look at my budget and I'm like, oh, that's how much I've spent on books this month. Yeah. I didn't absolutely. realize. Yeah. And I'm sometimes a library borrower, but the problem is that I love to write in my books and it's like kind of, I always say it's kind true. of sacrilegious, but I'm an aggressive book note taker. Yeah. I love underlining and stuff like that too. And I also love giving my books to my friends. So I like to own them because I don't, I don't know why it's so fun to be like, this book made me think of you and then give it to, you know, like your mom or your friends. So I love, I love owning books. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I guess let's get into our book for this month, Migrations by Charlotte McConney. What did you think of the book? First impressions? Um, First off, I'm pretty shallow. Love a good book cover. So <laughs> I saw the cover. I got so excited. Yeah, because it's so beautiful to look at. And when I started the book, I was kind of nervous because I um, read Where the Crawdads Sing a couple of months ago. And it is one of my favorite books I've ever read. And it kind of has some similar themes, like a girl who's very, very in tune with nature, also very in tune with her loneliness. So I was kind of worried that this book wouldn't live up to my expectations of what that theme can look like. So I was pretty nervous about that, but I ended up loving the book. It was so good. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I haven't read Where the Crawdads Sing, but it's been on my want to read list for like three years now since it was on the Reese Witherspoon book club. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked this book too. I was a little nervous for a different reason. I was nervous because I saw online that it was kind of labeled as a climate fiction book, which now after reading it, I completely understand that label, but I had no idea what that meant. And I was nervous that it would be a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe like alarmist kind of take on climate yeah. change. And I wasn't ready to read something that was like almost apocalyptic. And that's not at all what it was, but having the label of climate fiction, I was like, I'm not so sure about this. And it took me a second to get into it. But as soon as I did, I was all in ready to read it in one or two sittings by the pool. <laughs> me too. Yeah, I was worried about the climate fiction thing as well. Cause I think if anything, anytime there's like climate change on the news or there's movies on climate change or books, I'm always, thinking about how my friends and family would perceive this. Cause you know, I think of people that aren't actually in the climate space and how this could maybe open their eyes to climate change. And so, yeah, I was also worried about the book because I was hoping it wouldn't be too apocalyptic where it's not even realistic. So people don't relate with it, if that makes sense. That was, yeah, one of my reservations with it, but it wasn't that way at all to me. Yeah, I didn't think so either. There was a couple of moments where I was a little shaky about how realistic some of the climate scenarios were. The one I'm thinking of specifically is later towards the end of the book when Franny and her husband are at like a reserve or something. And they're like, there's mm, no yeah. animals left in the world. Anything that exists here is like in this acreage in Scotland or, or wherever it was. I was like, I'm not so sure about this particular scene. But other than that, like the whole book was so believable. Like it made a lot of sense that this particular bird species of the Arctic tern was the last group migrating because they have nothing to eat because we've overfished because, you know, it was just like one thing after another where I was like, this has been set up so well to be a believable climate fiction scenario. Yeah, I totally agree, especially because, you know, we know it's in the future, but we don't know when it's in the future. And I've been reading some book reviews and thinking about what I thought myself. And everyone seems to think it's like in the near future, you know, that it's not too far off because, you know, we are dealing with like mass extinction right now. And so it's interesting that there's not a set time, but when we all read this book, we realize that it's not too far off, Yeah, which I think is kind of haunting almost because, you know, we're talking about her losing her mind when she sees a seagull because, you know, they're just not common anymore, which it's weird to not necessarily relate with it, but understand that this could be our future if we don't stop depleting the earth of its resources. Yeah, you're completely correct. I thought that was interesting too. And just this desire she has to 
see a bird again. Like just, I haven't seen a bird in so long. I, you know, it's just so interesting yeah. to see that. And there was also a comment about like, in this particular time frame, the animals that are alive and well are like house pets, like dogs, because they make people feel good. And any animals that do exist for agricultural reasons are in farm settings. And I thought that was just so interesting because it really does emphasize that we are looking at these animals as a resource or like as a benefit to humans, as opposed to being their own entities, their own, you know, their own ecosystems within themselves. Yes. I love that aspect of the book just because, you know, one of our biggest problems right now is that we are looking at the earth as a commodity to be used up. And that's what I love about this book is it's so, um, it paints that image so well. Like you said, like pets still being alive, cattle still being alive. And even the fact that um, the animals they are trying to save in this unknown like future are ones that still serve humans. But if they don't serve humans, those aren't the ones that they are trying to save, which I just thought was so interesting because if we keep the course we are now, it keeps like the same theme as what can we do to keep having the earth serve us, which I thought was really interesting. I think that's interesting. And even on that, when they're talking about what animals are we going to save, what is a commodity to a human, uh, Franny, the main character, makes this comment of we shouldn't be prioritizing animals by their usefulness, quote unquote. And then someone else is like, well, we have to do it that way. That's like we only have there's only so many of us and there's only so much we can do for everyone. We've got to pick and choose who's worth saving. Yeah. I'm like getting chills thinking about it. So creepy. Um, Let me ask you also about kind of like the boat scene, like the whole scene where she is on this fishing ship going around the world, looking for fish, trying to get something and just kind of this like economic aspect of having a depleted ocean. I thought that was really interesting because I don't know anything about like fishery boats and how they operate. So it was interesting to see all the people working together and like this family aspect of the characters coming together, but also knowing that they're kind of on the hunt, like traveling so far because they're looking for something that they can deplete even further Mm -hmm. and sell. And one thing leads to another. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I thought that whole, that whole scene was really interesting too. Yeah. I I thought it was so interesting. And it's funny that, yeah, that you bring up not knowing about boats because I found myself in the same boat (laughs) that I was looking up stuff that she was talking about because I had no idea what she was referencing because I know nothing about fishing and nothing about you know what it's like to be at sea quick break to remind you that your money is probably being invested into fossil fuel projects if you are still banking with a big bank Yep, it's unfortunate, but did you know $575 billion of your money was invested into fossil fuel projects such as those ruining the Arctic, the setting of today's book club episode? I highly recommend you figure out where your money's going, think about your conscious consumption one step further. I have been enjoying Aspiration, the environmentally friendly debit card. It was so, so easy to make an account. It was so easy to transfer my money from my big bank. And I have to say, if you are nervous about leaving your big bank for aspiration, that's totally fine and totally reasonable. I get it. I just encourage you to open an account, move your money slowly, see how easy it is to swipe your debit card for a coffee in the middle of the day and not have this guilt that your money is being used to fund projects that you are morally opposed to. The other kind of emotional boost that I get from Aspiration is that my spare change is being used to plant a tree. I love that so much. I also love how easy it is to get cash from any ATM location with zero fees, over 55,000 Aspiration-supported ATMs across the U.S., and overall, it is an easier, much more emotionally satisfying banking experience knowing that my money is with people that I trust. Aspiration.com slash eco. Like I said, check it out. Do your research. Figure out where your money is currently being invested with your big bank and realize how easy it is to start the transition today. Aspiration.com slash eco. If you use my link, you will even get up to $200 towards your new account. 
One more time, aspiration.com slash eco. Now back to the show. The reason why I found the fishing so interesting, there's two different reasons. One for her being a vegetarian, her being like a conservationist, but also that being contradictory because she has to be on like a fishing vessel in order to make it to the Arctic. And then the other thing, I found this quote that spoke a lot to what a lot of people in America are feeling. Even one of my friends, her grandpa works in the fossil fuel industry. So it's really scary for him to hear about how, you know, we're trying to move away from fossil fuels and like what that means for him. Cause you know, at one point it gets very personal for people. Climate change gets very personal. And I read this one quote that I wrote down um, from someone reviewing the book. And it says, yes, we know that burning fossil fuels contributes to global warming, but how do we transition these skills into an environmentally friendly occupation that serves to bolster a population rather than shame them? I suspect these questions will, be will become increased in urgency as our planet looks to transition to greener pursuits. So I felt the exact same way with, with fishing because it's not sustainable at this time, there's not even fish left, but what do they do? This is like how they've made a living their whole entire lives. So how do we, you know, like match this with empathy and help them find something else without shaming them for something that their families have done for generations? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. There's even a scene in the book where the crew docks and they get off and they're met with protesters all of these people with signs saying you're depleting the ocean or you're all evil or whatever. And then Franny at one point even gets approached by one of these protesters and attacked. And I thought it was interesting too, because she's constantly justifying herself in those scenarios saying like, oh, I'm not part of the problem. It's not me. It's not me. But then she also has this sense of, yeah, conservationist of like, we all have to do something about this of um, kind of a community level priority of making sure that they're not continuing to deplete the ocean of the fish that are not even there anymore. So I thought, yeah, I thought it was really interesting and contradictory. And there's also this sense of the crew not realizing how valuable her choice of being a vegetarian is that they give her a hard time when she gets on this boat saying like, Oh, you're a vegetarian. There's nothing for you to eat. She's like eating beans out of the can at one point. And yeah everyone else is kind of shaming her and like giving her a hard time for being a vegetarian. But it's also like, don't you guys realize that you're part of the problem? Like you're, you're kind of continuing to feed into this cycle and that, that cognitive dissonance that exists within this really small group of people is a great example of, I mean, the world that we're living in today too. Yes, absolutely. I thought it painted the picture of what we're dealing with now so well, especially um, even the fact that people, People who do know more about climate change and the things they are trying to do sustainably, there are certain aspects that we have to sacrifice because we just live in an imperfect system. And I think she was having to do the same thing, like in order to get to where the Arctic sterns were, she had to sacrifice a part of her belief in order to get there, which I thought was so interesting. Yet in this future, she's still living in an imperfect system where she has to help fishermen fish to like save the birds that she loves, which I thought was just so contradictory and so cool because it speaks a lot to how we live now. I agree. I agree. So I want to, with that, actually go to the PDF that the publisher put out for book club guides. There was one question that I really, really liked and I was hoping that we could discuss. And it reads, discuss the novel's first lines, quote, the animals are dying. Soon we will be here alone. How does the disappearance of wildlife in mass extinction shape the characters and the plot? I feel like we've kind of touched on this, but mass extinction is a really heavy topic for this easy read to be yeah. based around. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, I mean, you know, reading the book, I feel like the two main themes is first off, like enduring loss, enduring her loneliness through the world, but also at the very end, she like finally gets hope. And I think that's really interesting because that is climate change for a lot of us. Like we are enduring the loss of what it's like to watch the earth deplete right in front of us and then always trying to find the hope to keep fighting for it. Um, I think it paints that really well, but when it comes to 
like all the animals being gone. I think that is the thing that we're looking at at the beginning of we are alone because we killed everything in order for the earth to be a commodity. And instinctually what that feels like to be kind of like the one of the last species to be thriving, which I think is just interesting. Interesting. I have a hard time reminding myself that in this scenario, humans are also a species that we are actively kind of fighting to be on the top of the food chain for a lot of these scenarios. And this book is a great example of that. And I think the topic of mass extinction is hard for me to conceptualize of this book, again, just because there is this like imperfect system where we're feeding into each other. Like you were saying, she has to like live on a fishing boat to even get to the birds that she wants to see. And it's this really awful negative feedback loop. And then she also talks every once in a while about climate. And that's not even one of the main discussion points in the book. It's kind of an underlying theme, but she's like, well, Mm -hmm. it's really warm right now. The turns have nowhere to land on the ice. There isn't big sheets anymore. Everything is, everything is warmer. And it's just this interesting kind of uh, subtle setting the scene of climate change is happening every single day, whether or not the people around her are accepting it. And another theme that I wanted to get your perspective on, because I didn't know what to make of it, was this idea that she is so uncomfortable staying somewhere for an extended period of time. She's always on the run. She's always leaving. She's always feeling unsettled and like never truly at home. And there's a storyline that her mother left her and she's back and forth between Ireland and Australia. And she's like never really settled down as a person. And I didn't know what to make of that because I felt like there must be some sort of like literary reason that that exists within the main character while we're also talking about mass extinction and climate change. Yeah, I found that really interesting as well. Um, There's even a quote from Niall, her husband, when she's talking about why she can never stay in one place. And he's like, "Um, you always wander, but you've never left me. But I think, yes, I was, I thought that was so cool. And I guess it's really interesting because Franny is always painting herself as like, she's always kind of painting like her animalistic qualities, always trying to remind us that we are animals too. And we have instincts too, which I think is so interesting. And I guess that's the only way I could make sense of it was, you know, the abandonment she's had and the pain she's had like throughout her life of like her mom dying and um, her dad being in prison and all these things like, she is instinctually leaving but what she's leaving is the pain that she's feeling and is trying to run from that pain and I almost feel like her being on the move gives her a sense of purpose because the pain is too much to bear I don't really know if that's right but that's how I made sense of it if that makes sense yeah well I think that makes a lot of sense like hearing you discuss it especially this idea that she's reminding us of her animalistic instincts and that humans are animals at the end of the day and we all have these instincts. And something I noticed while I was reading was that I didn't feel like this book had a lot of dialogue that it relied on to tell the story. I feel like a lot of fiction books are just like a lot of conversations back and forth. And this was a lot of her internal thoughts and like her Mm -hmm. processing the world around her, which I thought was awesome. I thought it was super different. Yeah, no, I really appreciated that because I feel like a lot of us live in our heads a lot. So I liked being like reading a book and being in a story where we're constantly in someone's, I mean, dysfunctional head, so to speak. I thought that was so interesting. You know, yeah, I thought it was a really cool way to do it. And I also really like when books do this kind of timeline hop back and forth. Yes. Yeah. You never really know what time it is. You never really know what's reality versus her memory. And it's, it seems like it's, maybe a 12 year time span. That was the longest time Mm -hmm. I could see and goes from like her time being 22, working at this university, meeting her husband to after what we learn is his death, which, oh my God, we have to like, we have to discuss that in a minute. We have to discuss the ending, but this whole time frame of like the back and forth, you can see her rationale changing in between the chapters. And like, she's, always viewing the world through this lens of conservation and loving animals. 
but you can see where it starts and you can see how motivated she is at the end because of not just her love for the birds, but her love for her husband. And it's just so it's, it's a really cool, like kind of uh, career shift that you can understand through the timeline. Man. Yes. I loved that so much. I love how the book ended. We, yeah, we have to talk about it. Um, I was going to say too, when it comes to fiction, that messy timeline where they're hopping back and forth between different years. That's one of my favorite ways for books to be written because I feel like you can get so much complexity with characters because you're seeing like so many different points of their lives. So I feel like you can understand a character so much faster. So I loved the hopping around. I loved, um, at first I was confused on why it was written that way because we were getting like such big nuggets of her life that we were so confused about. And so many of them at once. And I felt like so many things were unfinished. And for a while, I didn't know if I liked that. But then how it all at once, it all came together. Just like all the despair and all the events in her life. I just thought it was awesome. Like I loved it so much how it all came together. Agreed. And I think those big nuggets of information at the beginning were why it was hard for me to get into it at first. Because I was like, what am I like? What am I supposed to be reading? And I think... Again, coming from normally reading nonfiction books, I expect to know what I'm about to get myself into. And so this was super different for me, but I loved it. I thought it came together so well and so quickly. I was like, I just, I saw it all and oh my God, I just like, it was the middle of the night. It was like 2.30 in the morning. I had to work the next morning. And I was like, I got to know what happens to this woman. And I got to know why she ended up in yeah. prison. And I have to, you know, it was just, it was so good. Yes. I was the same way. Seriously could not put it down. Like, again, I was justifying like spending half my work day on reading this book because I was so obsessed. I had to find out what happens. And again, like the jumping of the timeline, you can read two chapters and find out so much information, even if they don't correlate. So you feel like you're getting so far. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why it's so addicting yeah. is because of like just the different points you're learning about throughout the chapters. Yes. Absolutely. Well, so talking about the ending, did you see it coming? Because we get these little nuggets that like she does go to prison at some point. She is seeing a psychiatrist at some point in prison and getting treatment for her mental health. And at the end, we learn that she killed two people, which is kind of nuts. And then when I just like understood she killed two people, I was like, literally what happened to this woman? She stabbed someone in one of these fishing towns, the protester that attacks her. So I was ready for it to be like a murder in cold blood. I was ready for it to be like a big time event. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was the same way. I feel like also I'm not one of those people who's like good at guessing endings, which I feel like in my, in my opinion, that's like, you know, like a strong suit because I don't want to know the ending. You know, I want to be surprised, but I was the same way because, you know, we find out that she's killed two people. We see her stab someone and kill some, or like, we think that she killed someone when um, she was, you know, using that knife as self-defense. But when we saw that, I knew that the other two killings were cold blood too, because she was just making, she was just having so many crazy thoughts that just you know, the book was painting it out that you could make, that she could get to that point, especially since her dad had gotten to that point. And so I definitely expected the deaths to be um, something really unnerving and kind of scary, like a part of uh, Brandy that we hadn't seen, but it was just the most heartbreaking thing to hear what it was. Oh my gosh, it was devastating. I mean, honestly, it was hard for me to get through that chapter because I just felt so bad for her. She's finally gotten to this point where she's lost a child. She's like ready to rebuild her relationship with her husband. Like she realizes the the value in this relationship, I guess, quote unquote. And she's like, they're having a good time. And like getting in this awful car crash because of a bird. I was like, oh my God, this is just like, I just couldn't even believe all of the strings that they pulled together for this. Driving on the road, seeing an owl, getting distracted, getting in a car. I was like, oh my, like, I couldn't believe how full circle it was. I know. I couldn't either. I guess if there's anybody who hasn't been, like, who hasn't read the book, throughout the whole entire book, she's writing letters to her husband who we think has left her, but we didn't know that when she said left her, that he has died. 
So it was just the biggest shock because, yeah, I assumed he was still alive and that they were going to reunite at some point because she was kind of kind of get it together and stop leaving and stop wandering around, you know, and like get back with her husband who loves the birds so much. Um, so that was such a shock to me, especially because um, I was kind of thinking through the fact that, you know, she went to prison because she pleaded guilty for meaning to kill these two people because um, she felt so bad for being the driver who got in the wreck. Because, you know, when she pulls out the woman, Greta, from the other car and she ends up dying because she shouldn't have been pulled out of the car. I thought that was so interesting because it's one of those moments where as humans, you know, we're taught like if someone's in a car, I can you see them, you don't pull them out of the car because you don't know what type of injuries they have. But Franny, she's so in tune with like her instincts that it makes so much sense to me that she did not think of this rule that we've been taught our whole entire lives because she only thinks through her instincts. So it just made me so sad to see that she blamed it on herself because I think more like Greta dying and then Niall dying as well is more of like the fall of humanity and us, just us not being able to do perfect things. I think that's more of what happened instead of it being on her. So it just makes me so sad that she spent so much time in prison for something that she put fully on herself. And I think it's more of like humanity's shortcomings. Oh my God. That is like such a good analysis of that moment. I was like so heartbroken seeing also just understanding that she goes to save this woman and she misses out on her husband's last moments alive. That was so heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. And then she spends her life. We realize that she's following these turns trying to find them because He wanted his ashes spread with the turns if there were any remaining ones. And that was a, that was a conclusion that I was so not expecting. I was so, I just like had so many emotions and I feel like I have not been emotional about a book in a really, really long time. There was just so many moments where I understood at the end why she was fighting so hard to find these birds when everyone was like, there's none left. Her husband, I believe it was in the will that he said, if there are any remaining turns, please yeah. spread my ashes with them. And if not, like I'll be buried and give something back to the earth, with, which I thought was so, so poetic. But for her to have the motivation to say, exhume his body, I'm going to do this for him. Like I'm going to find these turns and spread his ashes. Last moment where she's swimming around in the Arctic with the birds that she spent all of this time looking for not knowing if she would ever find them. It was just such a beautiful scene to imagine and such a satisfying conclusion. I absolutely agree. The end was so emotional to me. Again, you know, at the beginning of the book, I'm kind of confused on why I'm even reading this. I'm like, there's so many nuggets. I don't know anything that's going on. And it feels kind of almost so dramatic at the beginning. I'm like, I don't even feel tied to this character and I'm finding out these horrible things, if that makes sense. But by the end, yes, I'm just so emotional. She's with the turns. And I thought, you know, as she's going to see the Arctic turns, I thought of it more as like, you know, we're talking about how she wanders and she leaves. And I thought that's like what this was about. She was wandering once again and leaving once again when really she was like meeting her purpose in life, like her new purpose since she lost everything. Wow. It was just the best ending ever. I was obsessed. That's such a good way to put it. Like she really does find her purpose. And this also the Arctic turn, I didn't know anything about them before I read this book. Of course, I looked them up and I thought it was such a nice symbol for the book, the largest migratory pattern of any bird. And I was like, this is such a good reflection of this character of this woman who's constantly on the go. What is she going after? What is she trying to find? I just felt like there were so many moments where I looked things up and I understood like why the symbols were the way that they were. Like we were saying earlier, like I didn't know anything about fishing boats. And then once I started getting into it, I was like, this is absolutely fascinating. Like I completely get it. And then looking up all of this information about the birds, I was like, oh my God, this is the perfect bird for her. Like it was just so well thought out and all of the symbols feel so strategic now in retrospect when at first they were like a big old mess. Exactly. No, I felt the same way. Once I finished the book, I was like, this book was so meticulously thought out. 
And I just really appreciate the work that the author put into it. Because I thought the same thing when I started learning about the Arctic Turns. I was like, this is like a match made in heaven for Franny. You know, like since we're dealing with her having extreme devastation and loss, but yet she's still trying to push forward. And that is the story of the Arctic Turns. Like in this book, like they've lost everything. There's barely any fish, but still they're migrating farther than any bird. And they're still doing it and still pushing forward and still hoping that they can continue to migrate. And I just thought it was the most beautiful symbol ever. Oh my Loved God. It. I agree. I agree. I'm getting giddy just thinking about how well this book concluded. <laughs> Me too. My last question for you to wrap up our big book club discussion. What would you rate this book out of five on Goodreads? Would you recommend it to a friend? So it's interesting. At first I thought I would rate it four out of five because I was so confused at the beginning. I didn't even know if I was going to like it. I was almost frustrated at the beginning of how dramatized it was, if that makes sense. Cause I was like, is this even gonna conclude or are we just gonna be so dramatic and then I'm not gonna feel anything at the end, <laughs> if that makes sense. But um, just how beautifully it all came together and how I could just sit here and discuss this book for like six hours going over all the symbols, going over how all the parallels of climate change is so beautiful. I definitely think I, I actually rated a five out of five because it's yeah. just so beautiful. I agree. I rated it a five out of five and I don't think I've done that yet this year, which I, I feel like is not necessarily something to be proud of, but I want to be critical of everything. And I always have a problem with something. And I felt the same way. Like there was this getting into it that took a minute but at the end, it came together so, so beautifully. I understood why it was written the way it was. Again, it was meticulous. It was really strategic. All the symbols made sense. All of the characters made sense. I also loved how there were characters that really served this purpose of sage or friend or like the captain of the boat. I was really expecting him to like make a move on her. And I was like, I'm really not here for this oh, while wow. she's gone from her husband. And then ultimately like we learned the <laughs> husband is dead and this guy lost his kids. And like, they're really just there supporting each other. And mm -hmm. it was just so, it was just so good. Like, I don't have another word for it. Five out of five, highly recommend. Oh, I know. And I even love at the end, it gives people a reason to keep fighting and keep hoping that we can do better as humanity because you know, people who are like in the climate space, it can be so daunting. And I just love how this book was written, you know, because first off, it's one of the best fiction books of 2020. So, so many people are going to pick up this book and read it. Like I was talking about how I felt worried that this book maybe wouldn't live up to people's expectations if they aren't in the climate space. Um, but I thought this book really just painted a beautiful picture of nature and would probably really get people fired up about conservation who probably haven't thought of it very much, which makes me really excited. Yeah, completely agree. It was hopeful. It was encouraging. I felt like at the end and I was like, mm -hmm. because especially this timeline, we don't know when it's happening. It could happen any day that we have these kind of big time mass extinctions that we don't see another seagull for, I don't know how many years. And there's something about it that is so, yeah, it's so hopeful. Like I get it. Like I want to work towards this and I love that it's so highly visible. I saw a big display for it actually this weekend in oh, a awesome. bookstore. Yeah. A big tower of migrations. And I was like, I just felt so good about it. I was like, I'm glad that this is the kind of literature that people are gravitating towards whether or not they're in the climate space. Like this is something yeah. that we can all talk about and something that we can all really emotionally get behind because I think that's maybe the biggest hurdle for a lot of people that climate change is not personal like they think it's not happening to them it's not happening in their communities it's happening like to the polar bears in the arctic and yeah. yes that's what it is but it, it could happen to any of us and affect all of our lives and like we all have some sort of underlying pull in the climate movement and demanding climate action it just it felt good yes I I absolutely agree and kind of to the point I was talking earlier about how Fiction makes you empathetic. It makes you um, have different perspectives. That's the reason why I love this book specifically as a climate novel, because that is the big conversation in, uh, in the United States is a lot of people are like, well, climate change doesn't affect me. And so it's really hard for them to understand the importance of it. And it's something my grandpa has always said is 
um, the center of the world is where your eyes are. So it makes so much sense. I'm, what a poetic man. I love oh him so much. Oh my God. What a poet. I know. So I always think about that. I'm like, of course, some people don't think of climate change as that big of a deal because they're in the center of their own universe. And if it's not affecting their community, then they're not thinking about it. Um, and so I love this book and how you're forced to be in a perspective where climate change is affecting Franny and she is from the Western world and it's affecting her deeply. And so I love being forced to have that um, perspective of climate change affecting everyone because it's hard to get people in that mindset. Oh my goodness. I think that's an excellent point to leave with. Just thank you so, so much for the energy you have brought to this conversation. I feel so good. Honestly, like I loved this book, but discussing it with you gives me a whole new layer of appreciation because you really made a lot of connections for me. Like I thought I got it, but now I like really get it. No, I feel the same way with you. I didn't realize that we would like geek out this hard about this book. This has been so energizing for me. I loved this. Good. Oh my God. Yeah. I've had so much fun. And I think that there's also this sense that, especially on the topic of symbols and themes and et cetera, like those are words I have not used since I was in high school because I never have to analyze a book, but again, meticulous, strategic five out of five. This book was great. It was chef's kiss. Amazing. you enjoyed today's book club episode as much as I did. It was so much fun talking with Jessica. We both loved the book so much. And like I said, listening to a discussion or hosting a discussion with someone about a novel is a whole different way to appreciate it. I'm so glad that I read it, but I'm also so glad that I had the opportunity to unpack it with someone. So if you read it, I want to know what you thought. I want to know how you enjoyed the book. And if you have any recommendations for book club moving forward, let me know. Like I said, next month we're reading Conscious Closet by Elizabeth Klein. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you've made it this far, leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you're subscribed on Spotify, wherever you look at, that's where you can find me. And I hope to chat with you on social at Eco Chic Podcast, mostly on Instagram. But anywhere you want to find me, I'm there. All my links are always in the show notes. Thank you so, so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you really, really soon. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.